Hello, and welcome to Star Trek Sundays. Today's episode is Parenting Part 2, in which we'll discuss how we see parenting presented and contemplated through Star Trek, specifically in Star Trek The Next Generation's episode New Ground. If you're new here, I'm Victoria, and with me is my co-host T. Star Trek Sundays is a podcast through which we and our guest crew examine the philosophical themes presented in Star Trek every Sunday at 10 a.m. PST on Clubhouse. Our goal is not to come to conclusions on the themes we discuss, but to spark contemplation and conversation, which we hope continues after the live recording and into the lives of the listeners of the podcast. If you like this podcast, please like the episode and consider subscribing to our channels. Now, on to our discussion about New Ground. Let's move on to New Ground. Can you provide a summary of the episode to remind those who didn't get a chance to review it what it was about? And then I have a question for you. You bet. New Ground, Star Trek The Next Generation, Season 5, Episode 10, first aired on the 6th of January, 1992. In this episode, Worf takes on the unexpected role of father to his son, Alexander, who's developed a bad streak and is in danger of being shipped off to boarding school. I chose this episode because it highlights the classic contrast of disciplinary father and empathetic mother, and how parents have to mesh their different parenting styles with that of their kid to be effective as guardians and as teachers. Thank you, T. Yeah, I really loved this episode, and I found it charming. There were the bits in which Worf's naivete was on display was written so well, and, and it did give us a laugh in the watch party as well. And the reason I say that Worf acted in some way like a stepfather is that, as the story goes, just for those who might not know, Alexander had been up until this point raised by Worf's parents on a planet somewhere. And they were getting on in age and wanted Worf to take over the responsibility of parenting Alexander. In this episode, T, Worf has a galaxy-class-sized blind spot for his son, who takes advantage of it pretty freely. Have you ever taken advantage of the parent's blind spot or had ones yourself? Yeah, I could manipulate my parents' blind spot like a shield. Use it like an invisibility cloak. I could move that thing around, like, you know, with, with the precision of a tractor beam. I was so good at it. I could you know, have them looking at one hand while the other hand was stealing from the cookie jar. It was, it was great because I was very adept at it. You know, it was one of those things that I, that I got very practiced of, um, even at the, like the age of like five or six, I knew exactly, um, what my parents would believe from me and what they wouldn't. And I, I, you know, honed that in pretty quick and you know going up until i don't know 12 or 13 i used to use that as a tool to get away with you know just about everything they got wise to me for sure they definitely you know closed that gap in their scanners as it were but for a while there i had a cloaking device that could you know that could get me in and out of situations pretty easily if i knew how to play my cards correctly and put enough thought into it. So yeah, my, my parents were, my parents were, you know, a little bit more naive in that regard. My son, I don't know if I just, if my blind spot is just that big 
or if he's just that good, but I've just never, I've never caught him, you know, never caught him manipulating my blind spot in any way. And I always thought that he would, I always thought that, you know, I'd have a, a, a clone of myself for a son and instead I have an angel. So I'm, I'm always just so fortunate. Thank you for that. Well, let's move on to the crew and see what they have to say. How about you, Babs? Have you ever taken advantage of your parents' blind spots or had blind spots about kiddo yourself? Oh, man. <laughs> um, when my mom was married, um, I had, at the time, three step-siblings. <laughs> and I was the oldest. <laughs> so I was a straight-A student at the time, very well-behaved. You know, I did my, you know, I had my little shenanigans that I would pull, you know, but for the most part, I was a pretty good kid, right? Well, it was great being the oldest because I was seen as the wisest and uh, the one who knew better, um, even though it was by, oh, I don't know, 10 months. Um, but that said, I manipulated the blind spot and the fact that one time, so Spice World, Spice Girls movie had just come out, right? I love the Spice Girls. My sister, eh, she liked them, not her bag. I, <laughs> manipulating my parents' blind spot, well, prior to this, I ordered 24 hours of it on six different channels on pay-per-view when that was a thing. And it was a really big bill from what I remember because my parents were so upset. And I blamed it on my sister. I felt so bad. But at the same time, I didn't because I got to see Spice World <laughs> before it came out on VHS. This is what this was the time, guys. This was before DVD was a thing. So it was VHS, right? And so um, so there's the time I one of the times I manipulated my parents' blind spot um, because I was known as the wisest and knew not to do that, right? But my kiddo, though, ugh, he takes so much advantage. I don't have blind spots because I, I've I've played the game, you know, and I'll catch him and stuff, right? Like he'll say a swear word, and I'm like, "What did you say?" And he'll say a worm that rhyme a word that rhymes with it, like duck, right? And I'm like, "I know that's not what you said, right?" And I call him out on it, you know. He manipulates my blind spot to where, like, if he doesn't want to, you know, pick up his room, he'll, "Oh, mommy, I'm so tired. I want to lay down." So. I'll let him lay down and he will go to sleep. You know, he, you know, so part of me thinks that it's, he's using his nap to his advantage so that I can clean up for him, but he's only four. He'll be five in a couple days or a couple weeks. But, you know, I, I'm just astounded by his intelligence, you know, daily. Thank you for that. Yeah. I'm glad we're going to Ryan next because I think he's actually brought up the topic of children being manipulative. <laughs> so, uh, so Ryan, I'm going to pass this over to you. Have you ever taken advantage of your parents' blind spots, or have you experienced a blind spot yourself? Uh, I'm, most definitely. I mean, I think when my daughter was born, one of the things that really amazed us was was uh, her fake cry. She would she would have a sort of tonal shift with when she wanted something. Um, but she wasn't really hungry or she wasn't really dirty or she wasn't really in pain. And she did this thing where she went, Le and it was, it was almost like, like she was trying to speak French, but it was, but it was very different than her genuine cry, which was very like guttural and like, holy shit, I'm in pain. And it's something that I noticed that, that obviously children have to do this, right? They, they have wants and desires and they want to get their way. 
but they don't have language. So, so Lewin became this thing where it's like, oh, she wants something, but she doesn't really need it. And it, it brings me back to this thing that I read about how, why children are cute, why babies are cute. And it's going to get really dark really quick. But amongst the great apes, amongst the African great apes, which we're a member of, humans have the highest rate of infanticide. Out of all the other apes, we kill our children more. And so people speculate that babies are cute as a, as a defense mechanism, as a way to survive as long as possible. And, and think about that, right? So, so all the manipulation, all, all the cuteness, all the, the chubby cheeks is to ensure their own survival. Oh my God. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so th these are the things that, that come into my mind that it's like, oh yeah, she, of course she's adorable. She wants to live. Of course she's learning to manipulate. She wants food. Right. And I happen to be, I think, a pretty decent parent. Right. But there's a lot of other parents that aren't. Um, I have an adopted brother who, for the first seven years of his life, grew up in a very abusive household, never had a birthday, never had a Christmas present, was malnourished, would, would take care of his younger siblings uh, out of survival. And, and so I, I, I feel like I'm the antithesis of, of his biological parents. Right. I'm a caring parent. I, I feed my child. I'm there to read her stories, to give her life lessons, to tell her what's up and to prepare her for what I think comes next. But the reality is right. That it's, it's always about survival. And, and so even those manipulation cues where she goes, Lewin, right. It was about getting, achieving a goal that she had in mind, even as an infant, even as a baby. And so, you know, this is a, a, something to think about, right? And and the good parents don't think about this, don't have to have those grim realities shoved in their face because they're so full of love. They want their kid to succeed. But there's a widespread of variance in humanity. And some people are better prepared than others. And some people are not prepared at all. And of course, children have to learn to manipulate because they want to survive. So that, that tracks, biologically speaking, if cognitive abilities, cognitive functions, which help you to better um, understand, sensorize, and anticipate your environment, and in turn manipulate that environment to increase your, um, your survivability, if those traits get, you know, if those traits do in fact pass along some survival advantage, which exactly what you're arguing for, if they do, um, then they would be selected for. There would be evolutionary uh, selection pressures, which would, you know, uh, select for those things. And you would see, you know, an, an increase of those over time. And well, guess what? We do. We see it even in other species. We see it in dogs, which are getting smarter and, you know, apes, which are getting smarter and other stuff like that. Right. So that that very much tracks that, you know, humans are sort of uh, built to manipulate and figure out the loopholes in order to get food. Right. Yeah. And, and this is sort of a side tangent, but, but it'll it'll circle back. If you look at art history, um, there's a change in the perception of children 
several hundred years ago, there was a, in European paintings, there was a very common trope of the old man, ugly baby, where you see culturally how babies were perceived, where they were depicted as basically little old men. And then there's a tonal shift where culturally we started valuing children more and you see how we depict them in paintings. They got cuter. We, we literally started valuing them more. So we painted them cuter. And uh, that, that to me speaks volumes, right? About who we are as humans. And I'll, I'll sort of leave it there. Thank you, Ryan. That was a great contribution. Really appreciate that. So boat, have you ever taken advantage of your parents' blind spots before or had ones yourself about your children? Well, certainly I took advantage of my parents' blind spots for sure. Um, the one I can think of where I had a blind spot is, I wouldn't say it's unusual. Maybe it's, it's, it's not like uh, I, was, I was blind, I had a blind spot, and, and then my stepdaughter was then able to take advantage of those. Like she had a bunch of those, I'm sure. But the one that I thought was funny that I learned recently is um, in junior high, she was a cross-country runner, and then in the spring she would play softball. And I was like softball dad, you know, and like she, she was on the softball team and she played softball, I think two years or something, two seasons or something like that. And I was like, this is so awesome. She loves softball. She's so cool. She's having a great time. We drive all over to all the different schools and we compete and, and, you know, isn't this fun that she's this sporty softball, you know, gal, in addition to being a cross country runner and all these other great things about her as a stepdaughter. And then recently, maybe not so recently, last year sometime, I was saying, oh, yeah, wasn't it great? You know, memory lane, we used to go and drive to softball games and stuff. And she was like, I fucking hated softball. And I was like, what? She's like, I fucking hated softball. I'm like, but, but we had all that, but we have fun. Like, it seemed like you were having fun. She was like, yeah. I was just at a time in my life where like, I didn't want to quit something. Like I just felt really guilty about quitting it. And I was like, did you feel guilty about quitting it because of me? And she was like, no, not at all. It's, you know, that was fun, that was whatever. But I just did not want to quit it. I just felt weird about quitting. And so I just endured it for two years. And I'm like, wow, so two seasons. So I was like, wow, wait, I just saw no signs of that. Like I was so wrapped up in this whole idea of her loving softball. And playing softball that I like I just feel like if I look back it's like if I had really like asked her questions about softball that were more scrutinizing or inquired in any pretty much in any way other than isn't softball awesome then maybe I would have been able to like you know find out or discover that she you know wasn't exactly happy playing softball and I could have been like a better you know, parent about it in a way, um, and maybe even, you know, helped her out of a situation she didn't want to be in. But I had zero idea because I was so caught up in this whole idea of being like the fun sports dad. Well, and we also did genuinely have fun in cross country because she loved distance running. So in the distance, in the fall, in the distance running season, that was like genuinely fun. So I just perceived no difference. But I was like, well, well, that's pretty huge blind spot because if had I been like inquiring at all, I would have discovered she hate discovered she hated it and probably as a parent could have helped her like get herself out of playing softball. Wow, what a revelation! Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I, I, you know, and kudos, kudos for her for not wanting to quit something, right? I'm sure that that served her well in some way, like she could make it through. So yeah. Um, but I think so that that's pretty good for a kid that age. 
Yeah, I think it was maybe not for the best read. You know, sure. I think she she remembers it as like being some penance she was paying for something though. Like you know, she just oh. it wasn't like you know, I'm not going to quit this in a determined kind of, I know I can get to the, you know, some satisfaction. I think she just somehow, I don't know. I should ask her, ask her actually more questions about what exactly, why exactly she felt that way. I mean, she has, she is stubborn in, 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 in aspects of her personality already. So I just assumed it was just, but I should maybe dig into that a little bit. Um, but yeah, and she wasn't, it was really funny because she was like, just the revelation was super funny. And we laughed about it, of course, because, I was like, okay, we don't have to do the whole, like, remember when you played softball and it was fun talk anymore. Like we don't, that's a memory. We don't have to, we will now officially cross off as a, as an awesome memory. Um, so yeah, it was a really, it was a really, really funny revelation. We, she's, we, we are, we have a very close relationship. So, you know, um, you know, we talk about all kinds of things um, about her childhood and, and growing up and all that. So that was just a good one. So does it change how you feel about those days now? Because I imagine that not realizing that might feel at, at least awkward and, and it might mar your good memories of the good times you had, or can you still enjoy those memories of, of doing those activities with her? Well, I mean, we always had like fun, you know, like she would have to do homework after we would go and like go to some fun little like diner and like do homework and I would write and we would have fries and stuff like that. And so like there was plenty of fun around it that uh, were good memories, but actually it does feel like a pretty big blind spot to me. That's why when you said blind spot, I'm like, yeah, I feel like who, what was I doing? Like, what was my experience? It's a little disorienting, right? Cause I'm like, wait, I was having an experience that she, that was totally different for her. And so I don't look back and go, you know, I kind of look back and think, well, I haven't thought about it that much before telling the story, but I think, well, maybe I just feel like a little bit of a jerk, <laughs> you know, like, like just a little bit like wait i just was like so gung-ho about this like whole sports experience and she was not happy and how did i not see that two seasons of softball you know in seventh and eighth grade i mean there's a lot going on at that time you know it's not wasn't didn't take over our lives but i do think back like what the hell um so yeah i i look back and i think i don't think it's not changed completely where I feel like terrible or anything, but I do feel like, wow, maybe I was just a little bit of a jerk, maybe a little bit of a blind spot there. Like pay more attention, dad, you know, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Well, I'll put this out there because it doesn't apply to me because I'm not a parent. Parenting is hard and it's done by human beings <laughs> who are having their own experiences outside of their interaction with the child. Right. And I think it's helped me realize that when I look back at, at some of the things that my parents did when I was a teenager and I realized, man, they were young and, and young parents. And so when I was a teenager, they were just in their mid to late thirties and they were going through it. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and dealing with teenagers, my sister and, and me. And at, at the time, of course, I, I was a kid and thinking all about myself. And now as an adult who's older than they were at the time, I feel a lot more compassion for them. You know, well, they did make some major errors in judgment at the time. I also realize they're human beings. And uh, so I hope you guys give yourself as much grace as your kids are giving you as well. So T, did you have anything to say before we move on? Yeah, I just wanted to, to highlight what, what, what a great conversation um, 
that was at least from my perspective about what your daughter said when she said um it's just not something looking back on it, uh, it it was something i just didn't feel like i wanted to quit and i felt like that was a really good self-reflective statement um and then you know you went on to ask her is you know these other questions and it just it felt like a, a healthy conversation it felt like she had really done some thinking about this and some like talking to herself about this before talking to you about it and just good healthy inner monologue on her part so it was a good conversation thank you for sharing it of course i mean i don't know how many people on the stage well when your kids get to be in their 20s um as mine is um it is an awesome time i will tell you because we've been very open about being like okay let's review when you were 10 you know, so it's actually been a really great process because we enjoy doing it. Like my perception of this thing that happened was this and my choice to parent you in this way was this. And like, what was your experience? So we we don't do it all the time, but we do it, you know, um, sometimes. And um, it's been really, really fun. And I think it's just a function of her becoming an adult and just us being open and self-aware about like um, what, you know, what her growing up was like and how to like make you know, things that weren't great, like how to repair things that weren't great, and then how to strengthen things that, and, you know, and kind of create cornerstones of things that were great between us, um, you know, make that, make, we make that connection that, yes, we both had that experience, and that was like a cornerstone positive experience, and that's a great part of your childhood. Awesome. We both agree. <laughs> um, and like I said, in the softball case, it, it turned out not to be, so it's been, it's been a great process. So everyone look forward to that with your children. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you for that. It's occurred to me because we've said the term over and over again, and I'll ask you guys to weigh in on this maybe a little bit later. I'm going to change my phrasing here. I, I'm going to just use the term ignorance or gap in knowledge instead of blind spot, and we can go into that a little bit later. So thank you for letting me say that. Rachel, let's move on to you. Welcome to the stage. The first one, and as so you can answer uh, either or both if you want, can you think of a time when you either had a scare as a parent or you gave your parent a scare when you were a child? And the latest one is, have you ever taken advantage of your parents' ignorance about an issue or had some about your own child? I didn't really, it wasn't necessarily that I thought I couldn't take advantage. I just didn't, I just didn't really try to take advantage of my parents. But one thing that was always odd to me is my brother constantly got me in trouble. He constantly did things or he broke things or he did things he shouldn't. And he always blamed it on me. And somehow my parents always believed him. And I never understood why, even to this day, I'm like, I was such a fairly good kid. Um, uh, and why did they think that I was always the one lying? I, I don't even understand it. But they, so they had a blind spot regarding my brother. And then as far as my daughter, I, um, she fairly, my eight-year-old has been, she has this habit now where she, the first thing out of her mouth is a lie, but then she quickly retracts it and says the truth that it was her. She always tries to blame it on her little sister. So sometimes I do have a hard time because sometimes she's so adamant about it. And other times I can see right through it that it's a lie, but sometimes it stumps me because they're both accusing each other of the same thing. And they seem, both seem so adamant. I'm like, oh my God, who, who do I believe? Um, it's kind of a pickle for me sometimes. Um, I was just like, wow, this is the same dynamic when I was a kid. And I, I didn't want to just 
get my believe her like my parents believed my brother all the time. Well, that's really interesting. T, do you have anything to add at this this time? Otherwise, I'll go to Joshua. No, let's move on to Josh. Thanks for uh, sticking around, Joshua, and welcome back. So in this episode, Worf has a galaxy-class-sized gap in knowledge for his son. He trusts his son explicitly. And he, Alexander, takes advantage of this pretty freely. Have you ever taken advantage of your mom's naivete or trust in you or experience that with children yourself. And I ask you about the children, because I know you work with children and you teach them. So I'm wondering if you've ever trusted a child and they've taken advantage of you. The immediate story that comes to mind, I was nine years old. I was in fourth grade. My, and I've, I've mentioned before, and even earlier today, that my mother is blind and was blind before I was ever born. And, she, and what I didn't say today is that she raised me primarily herself with a few like brief periods of, uh, of gap there. I thought I was, and I could see when I was younger and I remember, um, thinking, Oh, I can get one over on my mom. I can take advantage of the fact that she can't see what I'm doing. As long as I make it sound like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, she won't know the difference. Well, yeah, my mom's a little smart, a little smarter than that. So it was something real basic, fourth grade homework. We were supposed to write down or copy. Uh, mostly it was a handwriting exercise, I think. Uh, a little bit of a reading comprehension structure thing. We were supposed to copy uh, a couple of paragraphs from a book we were reading together in class. And I grabbed a piece of paper, grabbed a pen, and I spent so much effort not doing it. If I would have just done it, it would have been less. But... I was scribbling with such enthusiasm. I was like, man, I'm really, you know, really, really hamming it up, putting, you know, making sure I was, I was, you know, being extra loud with my pen scribbles and everything and thinking, you know, this, this is so sweet. I don't even have to do my homework if I can just get one over on my mom. And my mom is smarter than this, like I said. So she goes, wow, Josh, it looks like, it sounds like you really put a lot of effort into that homework. You know, since you did such a good job, let's go ahead and, uh, show our, our neighbor Diana uh, so she can see what a good job you did. Like, my mom's not stupid. <laughs> so, of course, I just crumple it up and throw it in the trash because I knew I was going to get found out. But my, my mom, you know, where she had gaps where I could potentially uh, or you would think I would be able to take advantage of the fact that she couldn't see me. She already had thought that stuff through and put the measures in place so that I couldn't get one over on her. Uh, quite so easily. So I don't really have any other stories other than that, other than to highlight how uh, shrewd and awesome my mother was when she was raising me. Yeah, I was just about to say that. She sounds pretty great. I have to say, I laughed out loud, though, when you were talk talking about the effort that you put in, and that you were like, making the sounds louder as if that would convince her. <laughs> Right, because of course it would be different sounds well, from when you were brain, regular. You know, right? Yeah, exactly. Think of this stuff. <laughs> exactly, but it's it's so sweet, and that's the kind of thing that when we can experience it, and we know that they're trying to fool us, there's almost this want, and I'm sure your mom experienced this, of just letting them do it. Okay, you think you're fooling me? Let's see how far we can go with this, because I know you're not. Right. And uh, and then it can be fun for the parents at times, especially when there's not a, a whole lot at risk. Right. So uh, that's great. Thanks for that story. T, any comments? 
I just love the story. I think I think it was really great. And thank you for sharing it. Let's move on a little bit. Boat, I understand that you might have a story to tell with respect to the first question. Did you want to share a story of a time when you either had a scare as a parent or gave some parents a scare when you were a child? Well, yeah, the, uh, the funny one I thought of is, um, so when my stepdaughter was a teenager and she could drive, we were trying to figure out like how to, we live in a big city and we're like, well, you know, this whole, if she tries to call or text point to point that will drive her insane, that's not enough freedom. So we just have to kind of figure out a system. And the system was that if we texted her, she had to text back, you know, no matter where she was, we just wouldn't ask everywhere she's going. You know, she had to like be back at a certain time or whatever, but we wouldn't like, you know, follow track her movements. But then I actually decided that as, you know, she, you know, started driving and going out later and later, and we didn't have any time limit for when she would come home or anything. I was like, I asked her, I was like, well, well listen, what if I were to track your phone? You know, I'll, I'll have your, find my phone app. And so that way I don't even, you don't even have to text necessarily, but I'll be able to just occasionally like see where you are. Right. And I'm not going to be, you know, we trust each other. I wasn't going to be like the nosy, like tracking her all night. But if we wanted to know where she was, I could track her phone. Bam. We know where she is in this big city. Great. She's down. It's cool. It's working out. One night, my her mother texts her, you know, wanted something, needed some information, whatever. She doesn't text back. Text her again, doesn't text back. I'm coming home from work. He texts me and says, my, you know, my wife texts me and says, I don't, she's not responding to text. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll look up on her. I'll look, I'll find her phone. So I find her phone. It's in the middle of one of the biggest parks in the big city. Like all you can see is green. Like, you know, the, the, where the phone is and green, like at night in the hills, not a road in sight. And I freaked out. I'm like, oh, okay. So she's being abducted. Like she's in the middle of some like not area of of this big city that you could be at at night and now I'm terrified. So I just like put, I just like, remember just my first thought was stomping on the gas, right? I text back my wife or caller probably and I'm just just full speed to this spot somewhere in LA and um, um, I'm just blazing. And um, my wife is like calling and calling, you know, she's like, I'm gonna keep calling her. I'm like, great, I'm gonna get there, it's all good. And then I'm about, you know, maybe, five minutes, four minutes from her, uh, from my stepdaughter's location. And I get a call from her. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? I'm, Where the hell are you? What the fuck? Are you kidding me? Are you okay? She's like, yes. And I was like, oh, got it. Cool. Uh, so you're good. She's like, mm, fine. Jesus. I was like, well, you didn't text your mother back. You know, you need to kind of do this. She's like, mm. I'm like, okay, well, uh, cool. As long as you're safe and everything's cool, um, just you know, text your mother back now and let her know, and it's all good and goodbye. And I hung up <laughs> because I realized <laughs> that she was, you know, engaging in, you know, fun with another person, uh, you know, that young people do, and that was what was happening. And so I nearly. I would have been the worst parent in the world, like literally driving up to some place in a park at night, like, you know, thinking that, you know, she was being murdered um, and it would have been the most awkward, terrible, you know, 
you know, stepfather, daughter, uh, ruining experience ever. And so I avoided that because she called me back in time. <laughs> so it was the most hilarious scare ever. So that's my story. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, that was so worth waiting for. I cannot decide whether that would have been a worse experience for you or for her. Cause I'm imagining it would have been nightmare fuel for you. Yeah. You know, and oh. I just can't imagine, like I would have pulled up in a car, like I would have been making a lot of noise too. Like it wouldn't have been like, so it would have just been like, like me crashing through bramble. It would have just been horrible. The whole thing. Well, and, and the other person in the story would have thought they were about to be killed. <laughs> yeah. And like, and who's, what is your situation oh. with your parents that they track you? Like, what is all that? Like that could have just, it's just, yeah, there's so many things that could have been bad about that. Um, overall, the system worked with that one exception. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's great. Uh, hey, Christy, welcome to the stage. Uh, I know you've been listening this morning. How are you? And did you have any thoughts on these episodes or the questions that we've been asking? What I was thinking about is that when we were kids, there were no phones that could be tracked. We were out gallivanting around. Our parents had no idea where we were. And that was just normal. <laughs> and and I just think it's kind of interesting because parenting has changed. I was like thinking to myself, well, gosh, there's a million times that I was out somewhere who knows where and my parents had no idea where I was. I've also been watching uh, another series on TV. I think it's called This, The Last of Us. And I've been listening to that podcast as well. And they've been talking all about um, parenting and mostly about love, but the love of a parent for a child and how that is. and so much to think about and I'm not a parent either and so I I have no idea what that's like to be a parent I only know what it's like to be a kid so and I also think about that sometimes too and I'm just like huh I wonder what I'm gonna miss out on because I can never be a mother so interesting stuff well just a bit of a comment on that as you know I I don't have any kids either and well, I think that there are experiences that we can never have because we're not parents. We'll, we'll never really be able to understand those experiences. There are other experiences that we we don't have either. And, and the parents don't have the experience of being adults without that responsibility. And that's something I contemplate sometimes is that weight that my friends have carried their entire life. And yes, it comes with absolute joy and love and fulfillment and all of those things, but it is a weight. And at times, my friends will say to me, uh, you know, my peers, people I've gone to high school with who've known me for years and years, and they'll say, oh, you have so much energy. You're so interested in so many different things. I just don't know how you do it. And I look at them seriously and I say, I don't have children right? Like children take up a lot of brain time. They take up a lot of physical labor, even when they're teenagers and even into adulthood. It's, it is a weight. Um, it's a weight that people take on uh, happily and they're, they're, they're glad to have done it. But those people don't have the experience of being adults without that either. 
so I, I just look at it as just something different, right? There's benefits, pros and cons to, to both having kids and, and not having kids. So um, I'm just glad that we get to have these conversations with people and hear the different stories and the experiences that people have being parents, but also being kids, because uh, we've all been kids. That is one thing that we all share. T, do you have any thoughts on what's been said today? Well, I definitely want to speak on the uh, these two shows. Um, the The whole idea of parenting seemed a little a little strange coming at it from a, a sci fi show, and I just love how beautifully these these episodes worked the theme in, and how our crew has in turn you know shared shared in that theme and an exploration of it. This is why I love this show. This is why I love Star Trek and why I love Star Trek Sundays. And why I love our crew is because it, it really did take me back to being a child and, and remembering my parents being scared and, you know, remembering all of these, uh, you know, conversations I sort of got to have later with them as an adult about things that, you know, we remember differently, like Boat was talking about. Um, and just, just so many great memories and just thank you. This, this has been quite incredible. Yeah. I want to thank the, the crew as well, because once again, it's just been a great deal of intimate shares. And I always appreciate that when people are so real and, uh, this is like, my 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 favorite morning, afternoon, or evening of the week is spending it here with you guys and being able to dig deep and contemplate these things. So um, thank you so much. Did anybody else want to say anything about the episodes or about parenting in general before we close out the room? Yeah, I mean, the the, the Wharf episode is is really great because especially in in that sort of time frame before DS Nine. You know, he really had very little experience with children. And so whenever he interacted with children, it was always it was always like this this big burly adult trying to talk to a kid like they were adults. You know, like there's the child that he took in and did a ritual, uh, a Klingon ritual as, uh, to, to, to make them a part of his family. Um, and he's just like, well, I'm just going to talk to you like you're a grown up because that's what I know how to do. And that's the, the challenge of the stepfather right the the how do i communicate with this person that is not an adult that is still a child um and i really appreciate that that they did that in the show that they showed this character going through that personal growth yeah and especially as a as, as a precursor to you know Worf and deanna I, I feel like they made such a a beautiful parenting couple um that it was really just a, a great episode to see them interact in that way, you know. This is Star Trek Sundays on Clubhouse, and today we were discussing parenting. Our regular show is Sunday at 10 a.m. PST. Thank you to the crew for all your contributions, and I hope you all have a great week. Thank you, Victoria. Thank you, T, for another great episode. Thank you, everyone. Live long and prosper.